Welcome to the Power Doc Talks, your number one source for information about powerlifting, sports injury and rehabilitation, nutrition, and evidence-based chiropractic with your host, Dr. Travis Dyer, sports chiropractor and elite-level powerlifter, also featuring guests in the top of their fields. Hey, everyone, and welcome again to the Power Doc Talks. Today, I have a very special guest, Clarissa, who's a, a personal trainer, and it's really cool to work with someone in the trenches with doing rehab um, and movement assessment stuff. So it's really cool to have her on here. Um, so I'm just gonna let her get started, give her a little background about herself, and uh, we'll go from there. So take it away. Hey guys, that's so nice to be on here. Um, so my name is Clarissa, I'm a personal trainer. I currently work at Train Main Fitness and Performance in Westbrook. Um, so a little bit of background information on me. I went to the University of Southern Maine and I graduated with a bachelor's in exercise science. Um, I've been training at Train Maine for just about three years as a trainer there. Um, I started out, um, I'd say, as a bikini competitor. Uh, that was my first introduction to the strength and conditioning world. I've competed in three bikini competitions. Um, that's no longer my, my way of practice. I'm kind of all over the place now. I focus more on functional training. I am a certified functional strength and conditioning specialist. Um, so most of my client workouts are based on functional movements and I focus a lot on the functional movement screen and I'm all for mobility and dynamic stretching. Um, and I'm just kind of dabbling in the powerlifting world. I have just recently, since meeting Dr. Dyer, been interested in powerlifting. So that is, I'd say, my next adventure. So yeah. we'll see how this goes. <laughs> so I think it's really cool. Well, we were just talking before we started this about our backgrounds. Uh, we both went to USM. Um, for some reason, I have exercise physiology, you have exercise science. Apparently, they changed the course within yes, the past few did. years. Um, but that's okay. So it's really cool to have, like, we were talking about, like, the same instructors, stuff like that. Um, so it's really cool to have someone like-minded because um, I don't see a lot of trainers who actually have that foundation with the exercise physiology, movement screening stuff um, that does a lot what you do. Um, so I think that's really cool to have you on here. Um, so let's just get into it. What's like your typical, so you get a client, what's the first steps that you do in deciding what type of training that they need and what they're able to do or not do? So upon getting a new client um, during my consultation, one of the things that I do is a functional movement screen. So basically I take my client through four or five different exercises to assess their movement. So a functional movement screen consists of um, an overhead or a deep squat, um, an inline lunge, a hurdle step, um, which are all considered functional movements, and then shoulder mobility and active straight leg raise, which is considered functional mobility. And then I take them through a trunk stability and a rotary stability exercise, which assesses their functional core stability. So um, watching my clients do these exercises, it allows me to see what they're capable of doing or like any um, parts of their body that they may need work on, like if they're tight somewhere or if they're unable to complete a movement, then that kind of helps me um, write their program and progress them from there. 
Nice. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit because I forgot about the active leg raise for that. Yeah. Um, so do you ever compare the active versus passive for that? I don't actually. Okay, so yeah. active is the person doing it on their own. Passive is like you as the trainer or clinician uh, lifting leg up for them. And there's been studies that show that a difference between 10 and 15 degrees between the active and passive actually significantly increases your risk of injury because that's a motor gap where yeah. like you have that increased uh, yeah. flexibility, but you're not able to control it. So that's one of the differences between flexibility and mobility is mobility is you being able to control it through that range of motion and flexibility is your muscles capacity to be able to do it. So well, I, just I guess to maybe up. I'll have to start doing that. <laughs> it's just like a cool little, a yeah. little thing. So, cause that's something that I typically do is see and kind of, and the hamstring is typically the easiest one to assess that motor gap yeah, for, for sure. um, cause that's the one that people are tightest the most. I was going to say, I um, definitely see a lot of tight hamstrings. Yeah. yeah. Um, and tight hamstrings are one of the main contributors for low back pain as well. Yeah. Um, so I mean that that's just pretty cool. Um, so yeah, we're gonna talk about a lot about mobility. We've got a, a lot of really good questions on Instagram. We've been you know promoting this for about a week now, uh, asking questions about what people you know what's a proper warm up, what about static stretching, stuff like that. So uh, I'm gonna hand it over to you. What's your like typical warm up? Because I know my audience of powerlifters don't know what a warm up is yeah. typically, or we have a very abbreviated one. Um, so I can tell you what my warm up is and compare it to like what you see with more of the general population, yeah. if that's fair to say. Yeah. All right, so. So I'd say to start, I'm huge on a dynamic warm-up. Um, instead of like walking on the treadmill or like walking on the Stairmaster for your warm-up, um, get on the floor and move around for sure. Um, so I'd say definitely we start, I start everybody on the floor on their back. Um, get their core activated, get your glutes activated get your hips moving, you just any movement that you're gonna do for your workout that day, you wanna make sure that you include it in your dynamic warm-up. Um, so anything like, I do have people do a lot of inchworms or world's greatest stretch, if you guys have ever heard of that, it's one of my favorites, but all of my clients hate it. So I actually don't even know what that is. World's greatest stretch, yeah. so it's basically just in like the standing plank position with your arms straight so with your hands on the floor yeah and then you bring say your left leg up to your shoulder like a spider-man stretch okay yeah yeah and then oh and then you do the then trunk you rotate. rotation okay, yep. okay. you rotate with know. your arm yeah, yeah. I gotcha. yeah okay so and i include a hamstring stretch in there too so that's not the typical world's greatest stretch but killing two birds with one stone um and then i do a stretch called just reach, sit, raise, stand, where basically you are in your standing squat position. Um, you reach down, touch your toes, and then you squat down and push your knees out with your elbows, raise your hands above your head, and then stand up. So it's just a really simple, quick, dynamic warm up. Um, so I go through a lot of hip mobility, like trunk mobility, assess your trunk mobility to see like what we may need to work on. Um, and then a big thing is, um, shoulder mobility so doing like shoulder exercises and scapular movements before any overhead movement or doing any pulling exercises um, it's super important you will notice a huge difference if you add warming up and a dynamic warm-up into your workout routine that your lifts will be much better so i'll walk you through so that's Awesome. Um, I'll walk you through what my typical warm-up is um, because for powerlifting, we really got to balance the stability along with the mobility because um, if we're too mobile, we can get hurt with under heavy loads. Um, and this is kind of just me also 
trying to abbreviate my warm-up as much as possible, yeah. which is what powerlifters do. <laughs> uh, granted, I do more of a warm-up than most powerlifters do. So what I do is I use, I'm sure if you've listened to my podcast, I talked about this before. Um, so say I'm doing squats because it's the one that most people need the most warm-up for. Um, I'll start with the bar, do a bunch of reps with that, kind of use that as diagnostics to see what's tight, what might need work. Um, and if I feel anything with just the bar, I go to do that. Um, my go-to for squat and deadlift are typically the frog stretch, uh, couch stretch, pigeon stretch, stuff like that. Yeah. Stuff to really open up the hips. Um, then I'll add a plate on, go through the same thing. If everything's feeling good, I keep progressing through you know, my weights um, and then use each set as a warm-up as diagnostics for what needs work. Um, so we talked a little bit about foam rolling and <laughs> we disagree, but then came to the conclusion that we do agree because I just have stipulations when it comes to foam rolling um, because, well, I, I guess I'll let you talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I don't, I don't hate foam rolling and I don't have anything against it, but it is something that I have my clients do. I, however, I don't use it as an injury prevention or like a modality. Um, so I will have my clients foam roll basically just in the beginning, you know, because it gets your blood flowing. Um, but I am not going to have them foam roll if they say, oh my God, like my quads are really sore. My hamstrings are really sore. I'm not going to be like, okay, go grab a foam roller and roll your quads out or roll your hamstrings out. So and that's where we ended up agreeing is yeah. because you follow up the foam rolling with the dynamic stretching. Yeah. So foam rolling will cause a transient increase in range of motion and flexibility because that increased blood flow and you get a neurological response as well. Um, so as long as you follow it up with doing like some sort of dynamic stretching to make sure that that flexibility and mobility ends up staying um, to make it more of a permanent thing rather than transient, that's where I'm okay with it. It's the trainers that I see often that make their client, you know, they book an hour session and they have a formula for a half hour. Um, that's where I disagree with it. And often those are the trainers that refer patients to me more often because their patients are always hurt. Um, so that's why I'm a big advocate against it. But I am a fan of the way that you use it. Yeah. Um, so it's good that we actually had that talk because when, I'm, when we were talking about like you going through your warm-up and you're like, okay, foam rolling, then stretching. I'm like, hold like, on, hold wait. on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just wanted to say that little thing about foam rolling. That, yeah. yeah. Um, so what else do you want to talk about? We got a few things on the list. Um, I did want to touch on you saying that, you know, powerlifters don't really ever do a warm-up or they're known for not really warming up. Right. And the reason for that being is because they don't want to be too mobile or they don't want to get injured. Right. So you can do a dynamic warm up without like making yourself too mobile or feeling like Gumby. Like, so I don't ever make my clients warm up for more than 10 minutes. Yeah, um, just... You go through, you just go through the motions, get your body moving, get your body used to the movements that you're going to do that day. And that's all that you need. Exactly. As long as you can go through the proper range of motion without pain, uh, you shouldn't be doing too much more than that. Um, it's, unless it's like more of a chronic thing, say squatting, yeah. you, you takes a longer warm up for you to be able to hit depth. Maybe you should be working on that a little bit more often or a little bit more frequent. Um, however, like the biggest thing with powerlifters, they use the rubber band analogy a lot, which is yeah. just like not accurate to your body <laughs> at all. Um, your muscles are not acting like a rubber band. Don't say like the more you stretch a rubber band, the weaker it gets. That's not how it works in the human body. Um, but you can get a neurological response from warming up the muscles properly, getting things firing the way that they need to do. Um, even if you just do air squats or something like that before you actually do a squat workout, get things primed the way that they should move yeah. um, is definitely gonna increase not only like the movement and the weight that you can move, but it's also gonna decrease your risk of injury, um, which I think is huge because it, especially in powerlifting, the game 
is longevity because, I mean, the longer you're in it, the stronger you can get. Um, so it just makes sense to take care of yourself. Yes, movement is good. Don't be afraid of it, especially when you're lifting and pushing heavy weights like that. Like it's so important to prime your body for that movement. And even getting into better positions. So like I just transferred to sumo deadlift, which you need a lot of hip mobility for. And so that was my main focus. And if I didn't do all that mobility, my form would be crap. And I would not have the correct mechanical leverages to be able to do the lifts. And my numbers would be way lower than what they are. And it's just because you take the time to do the mobility, get yourself in a better position and you can move more weight. And that's the thing too, is people think that they can do these stretches and do mobility and then immediately see a response, which sometimes that, yes, that's true, but you have to be consistent with it and do it over time. And then you will see like a great difference in your movement pattern. Right. Um, and another thing that I want to talk about, so I posted on my story a little while ago, I posted a little meme. Um, <laughs> that I said pain is often caused by misuse rather than overuse. And I got quite a bit of a response from that. People think that they overtrain too much, which really, if you, I'm sorry to trigger some people, but if you're worried about overtraining, you're typically the ones that aren't working hard enough. Um, Cause I mean, you can see people, some of the top powerlifters are, you know, training every single day, double sessions a day, and they don't worry about overtraining as long as your nutrition and recovery are in check. Uh, you shouldn't worry about overtraining and that's causing injuries. Uh, rather, injuries and pain is typically caused by misuse and bad movement patterns. Um, so it's great that you already go through the screening before you even yeah. work with people to make sure that they have proper movement patterns and then to be able to stretch and do dynamic warm-ups to make sure that they have the right movement patterns yeah. as they're doing things. And that's going to make your people you know, be able to train with you longer yeah. without pain and see better progress. Um, and that's a huge part of like my program design is I use all progressions and regressions. So I will start out with like your your main exercise and then if it you are having pain while you're doing that exercise or you can't perform the movement the way that I want you to, then I'll regress you down to an easier exercise. Or if you're performing that exercise just fine and you have no pain and you want to add weight to it, then I will progress you to something harder. So that is the whole point of my program design is progressions and regressions. Right, so that way you can make sure that they are still always moving properly the way that they should. Um, and if they aren't, then you step them back, which yeah. is great. Um, so I wanna go back to that. So the other side of the coin is people thinking that it's from overuse. So it's from overuse, then rest would fix it. And then people often like will take time off from the gym after they get an injury and then you know a few months later that injury comes right back and yeah. it's because they never fixed the movement pattern that caused the pain to begin with or the injury um, so if it was actually from overuse resting would actually fix it and it often doesn't um, so misuse will cause I mean improper movements biomechanics and that can actually generate up and down the kinetic chain which I see a lot a lot of people will have like hip shifting and squats um, you know uh, Overdominant quad, overdominant hamstring or glute, which causes pelvic instability. So then it translates into your glute med, QLs, uh, even up into your lats. Um, and then that's just hard time trying to reverse that. And I would also like to add that with power lifters and with squatting and deadlifting and benching, all these bilateral movements being like your main movements and your strongest lifts, don't ignore like unilateral training. Oh, nobody does unilateral training in powerlifting. Oh my God. That's why like, I, <laughs> the biggest thing I see in like with powerlifters is glute med issues that yeah. cause low back pain because nobody does single leg exercises. You would be amazed at the amount of people that 
if you would just do like add a split squat or like a rear foot elevated split squat into your routine like weekly you would notice your like squat go up incredibly like it's insane the amount of muscle imbalances that people have compared to their left leg and their right leg you wouldn't even notice it until you did unilateral training it's so true i can take a 700 pound squatter bring him in here put a 20 pound kettlebell in one hand and try to make them do a single leg rdl and they can't do it yeah. just because they don't have that pelvic stability yeah. um, but then they wonder why they're always in pain is because they don't have that stability or you know building up that unilateral um movement pattern to make sure that everything is building up equally um and i think just going through that whole rehab process we can take a 700 pound squatter to an 800 pound squatter uh just because they move better yeah and, and, and more stable like all of these little nitpicky exercises are so important like yeah they suck and they're not fun and like you're not going to be able to lift a lot of weight when you're doing them oh but they're very humbling yeah yes. yeah for sure but like you it's so important and i promise over the, like in the long run you will thank us for telling you like yes do unilateral extra like do unilateral training it's so important and it needs to be added into your exercise routine and this can also like help unwind that misuse issue is um like a lot of times like you'll have someone who's really strong on their right leg and not so much on their left leg and that's where you get those biomechanical issues when they're performing a bilateral movement such as squat bench or deadlift um because then you get hip shifts stuff like that and then things go up and down the kinetic chain uh which is also why um Sorry, I'm going to backtrack a little bit because I lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, doing unilateral movements will help fix that and prevent that pain from coming on in the first place and fix those biomechanical issues before they happen, um, which is also why having a proper movement screen done by a professional is so key because they can be able to pick this up because um, everything that you said in your um, functional movement assessment is single leg, isn't it? Like um, most of it, Most yes. of it, yeah. Yep. The, the only one that is not single leg is the overhead squat, which we do do an overhead squat assessment just to see um, your bilateral symmetry, to see if you have a hip shift. And that's huge for like shoulder mobility as well, because yeah. most anybody I know who does powerlifting cannot do an overhead squat. squat. No, no, the bar's <laughs> yeah. gonna be way too out in front of them, it's not gonna work. Um, oh. So yeah, we talked on like balance and stability and mobility, but we'll bring up. Uh, I just wanted to touch on that, right? Like, especially for powerlifting, you want to be stable. Uh, so you don't want to do too much mobility, but you want to be able to do enough to be able to yeah. complete the rep pain-free in full range of motion. Yeah, and like not even, you can just add in mobility like to the beginning of your workout. Like start with two or three exercises like in your warm-up and you'll notice a huge difference. You'll feel better. You'll be more warmed up like you. And that's so important to make sure that all of your muscles are turned on and activated. Yeah. Um, so I want to go back a little bit. I want to keep touching on this topic because I got fired <laughs> up from this. Um, so that is also like the whole misuse versus overuse. Yeah. And people often get like, I've referred people for corticosteroid injections. However, they are, I mean, they're not completely bad yeah. all the time. Um, you do have some Ill side effects from it, but, um, this is why you can't expect to get a corticosteroid injection in like a painful muscle or something and expect it to go away completely. Uh, because if that underlying issue is still there, that faulty movement pattern, you're just covering up the pain temporarily for a it's few a months and then it's just <laughs> gonna come right back. But if you use it, you can use it definitely as a tool uh, to decrease that pain, to make it so that you can do the proper movement patterns and correct that mechanical issue. Um, and that's where I think that they are essential um, yeah. because I've had people where I try to do, you know, try to rehab them and they just can't do it because the pain is so much. And it's yeah. like, okay, you need to go get this to make it so that we can be able to do this. Yes. Um, just doing the shot alone isn't gonna fix anything. Yeah. It'll help temporarily, um, just like any yeah. you know, type of anti-inflammatory or 
you know, analgesic. And one thing that I actually notice a lot with my clients is they don't know when to tell me that something is hurting them. So no pain, no gain, right? Yeah, they think that like, oh, I'm in, like, I'm in pain. This is the pain that I'm supposed to feel. I'm like, no, you're not supposed to feel it there. So I always make sure to tell my clients, okay, you are doing this exercise, and this is where you are supposed to feel it. Like these are the muscles that it is supposed to hurt. Like when you do a row, no, you're not supposed to feel it in your triceps. Like yeah. you're supposed to feel it in your back and maybe a little bit in your biceps, but. And there's like, a difference between soreness and pain yes, also. Yes. Um, I had this conversation with someone else the other day that there is a distinct difference between soreness and pain. Like you can expect yeah. to be sore after a workout. Like that's a pretty common thing. Um, but you shouldn't people, be in pain yeah. after a workout. Like, a lot of pain people is don't different. know that difference either. They don't know like, oh, like I, my legs hurt like from my leg workout. I'm like, okay, so are your muscles sore or like do you need your knees hurt? Or do your hips hurt? Like right. what is actually bothering you? Yeah. Uh, people don't have that like kinetic sense a lot um, yeah. to be able to identify that. Um, however, like the more advanced athletes, you see they're very in tune with their body yes. and are able to make that distinction. Um, but there's something I want to touch on because you were saying like, you know, you shouldn't be in pain while you're working out. Yeah. So I have this story about another trainer. So this person actually, so she trains with another trainer. Mm -hmm. She wanted to come lift with me and Lauren at our gym. And she's a powerlifter, go through a bunch of form things. So we set her up on bench and her bench form needed some work. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I'm like, oh, do your back ever cramp up? Because she had her feet way tucked under her crazy arch. Yeah. I mean, arching and powerlifting is like, that's, yeah. it's more stable shoulder position yeah. and you're going to decrease your range of motion. However, this was like to an extreme. And I'm like, oh, does your back ever cramp up? She's like, yeah, it hurts quite a bit, but my trainer says that's good because that means I'm tight. I'm like, no, 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 we can get you tight <laughs> and get you in proper form without being in pain. Like yes. you don't need to be cramping up all the time. You don't need to be. So all we did was we flattened her out a little bit, moved her feet from under her to her side, uh, create that external rotation torque at her uh, her hips, activate her glute meat so that when she does hip, uh, leg drive, it actually transfers the force onto it. And her bench, probably she, she'll add like 25 pounds within the next few yeah. weeks of just reworking this new form. But the trainer was telling her it was a good thing. Uh, and no. like, he's the one who, and it's like, You're this like, is no. the first time working with her. He's been training with her for, I don't even know how long, at least months, like yeah. six to eight months at yeah. least. And he couldn't pick up on this. And, um, it's kind of funny. Uh, a, a lot of the people from that gym and neighboring gyms from them, I see so many of their mm -hmm. clients because they don't fix their form oh. at all. So they're always hurt and they're always being come here. Yeah, and, and like that's why I also think that it's not a bad idea to connect with other professionals like with you to get like like-minded opinions and to hear what other trainers have to say and if you are a client of somebody and you are unsure like about what your trainer is doing or you're not sure if like how your body is feeling is right then reach out to somebody else about it like ask them about it like don't go to google like don't like type in google, <laughs> google oh, my back hurts yeah, like, <laughs> i'm feeling pain here what do i do like yeah. no reach out to somebody like on instagram or facebook like that's what it's for like somebody that you follow like that you can trust like that you like what they post like ask i have people, people from all over the country like ask me about things yeah. because like either their trainer or their chiro doesn't know what's going on it's yeah. like i can like diagnose you with just your history of what's going on like do yeah. these stretches don't feel better and they'll message me a week later and like oh my god it worked i'm like yeah like this yes. it's a lot of the same common patterns um it's amazing like the amount of clients that i have come to me that are like oh like my other trainer used to have me do it this way and i'm like 
okay, so that's not the right way at all. So let, let me show you how you're supposed to do this. Yeah. And, and it's, like, oh, okay. I think that also goes into your background too, because not many trainers, like you can get a pretty easy training certification without having, you know, a bachelor's degree in yeah. exercise science. Like you actually have that extra knowledge. Yes. Um, that not a lot do. I didn't just spend a weekend taking an online exam and pay $500. Like, right. I went yeah. to school for four and a half years. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I want to talk on like what you were just saying, how it's good to have that like interprofessional relationship. Yeah. And like having a personal trainer and a chiropractic or a chiropractor or a physical therapist or whatever, um, someone who does that is very mutually beneficial because say for some reason your client does get hurt. Yeah. You send them to get fixed and they can make it so that they can keep training with you. Exactly. You know what I mean? And then like I wanted to, like I said, it's nice to have someone in the trenches with it. Like there's only so much rehab and stretches and stuff that I can do here. Yeah. And I always have to send people home with these stretches and exercises to do. However, it makes it so much easier to make someone like go out find a trainer who holds them accountable to keep yeah. doing that. Um, I, it's just a great tool to have to like have that referral system in place to make it so that people can keep training, keep getting stronger, keep being healthier. Um, it's like and you move, yeah, you move right from the clinical setting into the strength and conditioning setting, and it goes hand in hand. Like, they're just puzzle pieces. They go together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, I wanted to touch on something else. Static stretching. <laughs> For or against? Um, I am not going to say I am... Before a workout, I am not for static stretching at okay. all. I am against it before a workout. But yes, after a workout, for sure, go ahead. Okay. Um, you kind of cheated because we talked about this beforehand. <laughs> Your opinion might have changed a little bit. but um, um, So a lot of people quote a study saying that static stretching decreased power output, um, which, I mean, cool if you think about it. Again, going back to, like, the rubber band analogy, like, that yeah. kind of makes sense, but that's not the way the body works. Um, and also, if you look at the study, we talked about this, they had them hold, like, the couch stretch or, like, a quad stretch for 10 minutes before performing a maximal jump. Like, obviously, if you hold a stretch for 10 minutes, like, just, just hold an air squat for 10 minutes and then try to jump as high as you can. It's not going to work. And that's not even technically, like, a static stretch. No. Um, just the study itself is flawed. And getting the conclusions out of it and extrapolating that static stretching in general is a bad thing is just not the way that proper science works. Um, but I do agree that static stretching should be performed at the end of a workout if you're going to do it um, because that's where you're going to get the most, like, it's called plastic changes in the muscle. Uh, that's where you're going to keep the muscle elongated for longer periods of time. Um, and it's good to follow it up. Like, do the dynamic stretching first to make sure that you do the proper movements. Yeah. Do the exercise, do everything, and then stretch afterwards to make sure it stays yeah. that way, basically. And I, yeah, and I think that static stretching is an awesome thing to add into, like, a rest day. Yeah. Like if you're like the active recovery kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. Like if you're at home and you don't or you're just watching TV and you have nothing to do and like you know that you have to work on like your squat form or you know that your hips are tight or you know that like your shoulders are tight or you have something going on in your body, like just take that time to like stretch it out and figure out what the problem is. Like you can do that. You can you'll learn how your body works. Like the more that you stretch, the more you do mobility, you will learn like your endpoints and you will figure out, okay, like I might just need to adjust my feet a tiny bit in my squat in order to get the depth that I need. Or I might need to adjust like my width, my hand width on my bench, like a little tiny bit in order to get like that extra five pounds. Like, no, you need to know your body and doing static stretches and mobility exercises will help with that so much. Yeah. So I just want to do a nice little fun tidbit for powerlifting about grip width for bench yeah. is it's actually kind of a very fluid thing on which 
is going to be stronger mm. on what day. Uh, so Yuri Belkin, who's one of the greatest of all time for powerlifting, he's like a 980-pound deadlift at mm-hmm. 220, beltless. Oh, like, wow. this guy's a monster. I don't know <laughs> if you've seen him or anything. But um, so he trains his bench in different grips every single day. And come meet day, he just goes with whatever feels best. Oh, wow. Like, that's the grip he uses. And wow. he's, like, a mid-500-pound bencher yeah. at 220. Oh, and, like, he gosh. doesn't have, like, okay, middle finger on the ring. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have that set. He just goes with what feels good. Sometimes it's really close. Sometimes it's really wide. He just goes by what feels good that day. Oh, wow. I think that's really cool. That is crazy. I've never yeah. heard that before. I was going to say, because I always, like, see people in the gym are, like, talking about, oh, my God, okay, I need to have my hands right here. Yeah. Like, in order to get, like, the perfect bench, like, that's what I need to do. Yeah. Like, so it's Russian hey. lifters. Yeah, They're right. Crazy. Jeez, man. He pours, he pours coke on the ground. And puts his shoes in it before he deadlifts to make it grippier. Oh grippier. my gosh! Yeah, like it's they like, have all these tricks. Yeah, it's like we need to put like those like sticky things that they used to have before you get on the basketball floor. Yeah, get the bottom of your shoes sticky. Yeah, that would work perfectly. yeah. He just says like Coca Cola. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so well, I mean, weird. It's really but um, so yeah. Sure, why not? Was there anything else that you want to talk on before I um go into something that? I guess I got triggered on. <laughs> no, please go ahead. No, I, do you really have anything? <laughs> no, I think, okay. yeah, no, okay. Good. So if you saw my Instagram story, um, I got called out. I mean, by another colleague, by another quote unquote evidence-based practitioner, uh, someone I went to school with. Um, so I wanted to just do the quote. It was on their podcast. Um, they didn't call me out directly, but they made it very clear that they were talking about me. Um, so I got called out for not having good doctorship. That, that was what they said. Um, and the reason being is they were saying that I discharged people too soon. So they were saying that I was bragging too much on Instagram that I discharged people within like two to four visits or something like that. And they're like, oh yeah, it's just a selling point. And it's like, no, I actually spend time with my patients to make sure that we fix these underlying issues and then make the appropriate referral to a qualified trainer to continue that rehab process. And they're like, oh, he just gets people out of pain, but he doesn't fix the issue. And it's like, if you really think that, go look at my Instagram. I have many videos of patients, time-lapse videos of like 45 minutes of an hour of just doing like rehab, stretching, stuff like that. Like I can, I mean, have a patient come in, have two visits and have them never have that pain return because we go through the full movement assessment and everything like that and then make the appropriate referral. Like I don't just send them home with nothing to do. Um, every visit, even after the first visit, I send them home with exercises and stretches that they need to do. Um, so I just think that that was really funny uh just not knowing how i practice um and just saying that i discharge patients too fast like i would think that that's the quality of a good doctor right like we yeah. want people healthy like we want people like you're, sol- you're solving their problems and solving their pain like and it's yeah. not like they don't know what you're doing with your clients afterwards like they don't know where they're going and what well, they're doing well this like, is what they said in what earlier in the episode um because i showed you like the clip and yeah. you listened to it a little bit um but they take insurance and it's hard I'm going to say this, you can still be, but it's hard to be an evidence-based practitioner in an insurance model yeah. uh, because if you're not familiar with it, for chiropractic, they'll pay for the adjustment and one modality and one unit of modality, which is eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Eight minutes is one unit of a modality. Uh-huh. So that's stretching or doing some type of muscle work, massage, anything like that for eight minutes. Yeah. That's all they pay for. Um, and that's what he was saying. He spends about 15 minutes with the patient. So it's hard to be an evidence-based practitioner in an insurance model because they're not going to pay for all this extra stuff. Like, you're not going to be willing to spend 45 minutes with a patient if you're not getting paid for it, if you're only getting paid for eight minutes. Um, So I just think that that's hard to do. And they were saying dealing with patients, so it was a finance episode, Mm -hmm. dealing with patients with bad finances. And it's like, okay, if I can't see you three times a week, then I might send you home with some stretches and exercises. It's like, no, we do that every single time because that's what's going to be the most effective. Right, like you spend half an hour with me, that's 
2% of your day. Yeah. You spend 15 minutes with them. That's 1% of your day. And they don't send you home with stretches to do. Like, it's going to be what you do at home exactly. and outside of here that's going to make the biggest difference. Yeah, some issues need an intervention of some type. Like, it needs to be dug in, you know, worked on a bit. But it's going to be what you do at home that's going to make the biggest difference. And that's why I'm able to discharge people so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, the, calling me a bad doctor for being able to do that, I think it's just like so backwards no i agree i agree like that and it's the professional world where i'm just like baffled that anybody would feel okay saying that about another doctor yeah um and i don't know how he practices besides what he said you know spending 15 minutes um you know i i can't say on how he practices and i'm not going to i'm not going to extrapolate from what he said he could be an amazing doctor doing well um but being able to spend 15 minutes and seeing people, I don't take pride in seeing the same people multiple times a week. Like that's not how I want to work. I'd rather see a lot of different people just exactly. once or twice. Um, that's just, I mean, I've put this on my story before and I've talked about it. That's the difference between having a good business and being a good clinician. Yep, 100%. Um, I, I, you can definitely build a good business being a good clinician, but being a good clinician, good clinician first should be your focus, not trying to build a business. 100%. Um, like people are going to come to you like you're you aren't going to have to reach out to people people will come to you because you are a good clinician right and the same goes with personal training right exactly. like if you have clients who get really good results yeah. guess what they don't get injured or they rehab an injury like that's how you're going to build your yeah, base exactly you know it's not just with chiropractic it's going to go with across the field with exactly. anything and like say you do only see a patient like two or three times and then you discharge them like that doesn't mean that they aren't still doing the exercises that you told them to do like they can go to their own gym or they can come see a trainer like me and we can go through all of those exercises like right. they're still doing the work that you told them to do like weeks after you discharged them yeah and just because i discharge them for care doesn't mean i never want to see them again exactly. like oftentimes i'll have them like shoot me messages on instagram like hey it's starting to feel a little wonky again like a month or two later it's like okay come in let's yeah. fix it before it gets worse again yeah. um and they'll be like oh yeah i wasn't doing the stretches as much and it's like okay that's fine like yeah you know there's a choice of you know if you want to come in more often if you don't want to do the stretches but if you do the stretches you don't have to come in exactly like that's the thing and it, you know patients convenience like they'd rather come in than do the stretches at yeah. home and that's fine with me yeah and um, that's like a lot of people are like that like it's just the accountability like they need somebody yeah. telling them what to do and how to do it and like that's fine like that's what we're here for like right. that's yeah. our job like that's how we get that's how we get paid like, yeah especially with training like a lot of the people who do it need that accountability exactly. like they don't feel like they can do it as yeah. well on their own yeah um so that's why they need a trainer um and i think that the difference is like you actually go through the movement i i know i keep saying this but this is actually like a very defining feature going through the proper movement assessment to make sure that there is no underlying issue that's going to inhibit them from training yeah and it's so important to go through that movement assessment and like go through just like body weight exercises with your clients before you add weight like yeah. i know a lot of people want to just like come into the gym and like start lifting really really heavy weights and you're you can't do that like you have to start them out from like the bottom and build them up like if they come in they're like yeah like i can squat like 225 i'm like okay so we're gonna start you out with a like 20 pound goblet squat to a box yeah like so yeah you gotta and do then the proper we'll screening for that too yeah, yeah uh, like i'm not gonna risk my job and you getting injured like i've never seen you work out before so we're i'm gonna go through all of these movement assessments before i'm okay with you lifting that kind of weight yeah and just because they say they lift 225 doesn't mean it was good or yeah, the depth exactly. or anything like that like you don't know what what the <laughs> 
the quality of that movement was. Exactly. Um, so there's another thing, talking about, like, rehab and stuff. The thing that kills me the most is, say I discharged someone, they had, like, really bad adductor strain or something. And I tell them, you know, take it easy going back in. Mm-hmm. And I see them a week later posting, oh, I wanted to test it out again. See oh, how it is good. with, like, a 450-pound squat. It's like, <laughs> can you, like, take it slow? Like, yeah. it's a process. Like, it is going to take exactly. time. You, you need to remodel, you know, your movement pattern and everything like that. Like, get the muscles working again before you just jump right back into it. Um, which is another thing where I see where people get re-injured mm-hmm. a lot is trying to push things too quickly. Yeah. I mean, everybody wants that. Everybody wants that to be the goal. Exactly. Um, it takes time. Yeah. It, like, it's a longevity kind of thing. Um, it will take a little bit time like, to get through. Exactly. Everything takes time. And like that just goes back to saying like, yeah, if you feel, like don't feel comfortable in your squat or your deadlift or your bench or any kind of movement, then like bring it down a notch. Like go like do some unilateral training. Like bring your weights down. Like go lighter weight, higher rep. Like do something just so that you can regain that movement pattern and like make sure that like the correct muscles are activating and that you don't injure yourself. Yeah. There's a statistic, I don't know how accurate it is, that for something to be an engraved movement pattern, it takes I think it said 10,000 reps to be able yeah, to do that. I believe it. So if you're going to like try to fix things, get an intervention done, uh, like muscle work, stuff like that, and then try to push it again, you didn't do the proper work to get that motor unit, motor pattern down again, and you're just going to revert right back to the way it was and get re-injured again. Yeah. Um, you, you're better off taking time off from lifting heavy weights than injuring yourself. So I'm not taking time off. Well, I like how you clarified like, heavy yes, weights. Yes, yes, just back it down yes, and do the reps again exactly. and build, rebuild that process. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I'm like, glad you made that yes. clarification because I was going <laughs> to jump all over that. No, no, you don't You don't need to take time off. Act. I would call it active recovery. Yeah. Like, so take it down a notch. Like, you still work out, but, like, take the movements down. Like, ba- baby your muscles. Like, yeah. they're so important. And once you injure them, like, there's really no going back, so... Yeah, and that goes, I've talked about this before, and this is actually, I believe, going to lead into what our unpopular opinion is, but, like, doing AMRAP sets, um, when people do it and go to failure, and they try to get more reps than they did before, and their form breaks down in order to do so, and then that form ends up becoming their normal form, and you'll see their lifts just drop off. I see it all the time. And that's Um, where your clients come in. That's how you get all your patients. It really is. Um, (laughs) There's some, like, cookie-cutter programs out there that always include AMRAPs, and it's like, oh, yeah, you're a powerlifter, what program do you run? And they say it, I'm like, yep, that's what I figured. Yep. Like, it's it's always the same. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. But, so, I guess that's going to lead me right into it. Because I had you formulate the unpopular opinion of the day yep. of something that you see in the gym commonly. Yes. Not with your clients, obviously. Not um, with my clients, but like, in the gym. In the gym environment. Because you yeah. go to, not only do you train at a gym, but you also, like, train people at a gym. But you yep. also, you know, you train there. Yep. Uh, you lift. And you lift at another gym as well. Yep. Um, so, something that you see more in like a commercial gym because I'm so sheltered. I, I work out in a private powerlifting <laughs> yeah. gym. I don't see this stuff. Like the only people in the gym, it's like me and Lauren at one time. Yeah. So like I'm so sheltered. So it's cool to see the outside uh, perspective of things. So what is your unpopular opinion? So going along with what you said, um, like basically working out until your body is dead. Like going into a gym, blasting your body, like and doing any kind of workout to complete failure. Like that is not, like yes it feels good, yes you're sweating and you're probably burning a ton of calories, but that is not good for your body. Like in the long run you are going to regret doing that, like your movement patterns are gonna be all messed up and it's 
brings me to say that it's just so important to focus on your form and take things slow like you don't have to rush through a workout and go crazy so i'll reiterate this you don't have to kill yourself or go to failure in the gym to see results yeah right and especially for like strength training most of your gains are between like 60 and 80 percent anything higher than that is really just testing your strength and not really building it um, and you can push it hard between 60 and 80%. You yeah. don't need to go to failure all the time and kill yourself, be like dead on the floor, lying yeah. in your sweat <laughs> after a squat workout. Like that's not what you need yeah. to do in order to you know, gain strength and improve. Yeah. Um, so you also mentioned that this was a common theme with a certain crowd of lifting. Yes. We can just call them out. Uh, are we gonna do that? Yeah, this is this is more of a okay. powerlifting podcast. Well, I mean, yeah, we call them yeah. out all the time, anyways. <laughs> well, no, I was just gonna say it's a super common thing that I see in CrossFit gyms. Like you just going in, like doing, like you said, an AMRAP, going through as many sets as you can, as fast as you can, as hard as you can, and like killing your body. Yeah, um, <laughs> especially with the speed thing, because they have to do like not only EMOMs, which is yeah. every minute on the minute. I didn't um, even know what that meant. Yeah, EMOMs every minute on the minute. <laughs> okay. So, so say they finish a set of 10, Yeah. in 10 seconds, they get 50 seconds rest. So oh. say it takes them 20 seconds, they only get 40 seconds rest. Oh so you're going to try to complete it as fast as possible yeah. to get longer rest. Yeah. And when you try to increase your speed, your form goes down to the drain. Yep. Because you're just trying to like, almost like cheat the movement yeah. just to create the, uh, to finish the rep. Exactly. Um, which is also a thing with AMRAP sets to just like, oh, I got 10 last week, I want 12 this week. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, but what were the quality of the reps that yeah. you did? Um, so I do, I'm just going to clarify this because I do with my, I t also teach group classes and I do AMRAP sets with my classes, but as many rounds as possible, Oh. not okay. as many reps as possible. So if my, any of my clients listen to this and they hear me bash <laughs> AMRAP sets, I am not bashing my bootcamp classes. <laughs> <laughs> well, rounds is different because, yes, they, yeah. Yeah, um, because you can also make the distinction of like, okay, you started to you know your form started to fall apart yeah, you're done yeah like, <laughs> and i i strictly do it because i have like been teaching group classes for a while and i know like how much time it takes to go through four or five rounds so i'm like okay i'm gonna give you guys these three exercises and you have nine minutes to complete it and the basis of me telling them they have nine minutes to complete it is i think that mostly everybody there can complete four rounds if not more of the exercises that i give them i'm not doing it to try to make them like go as fast as they can right yeah yeah so it's as many rounds as possible okay. not as many reps yeah okay i like that a new way to look at it so do they train to failure no okay i give them a, <laughs> i give them a set amount of reps to do yeah. so okay yeah um so what if it's in the later rounds and you start to see them fail I'm just, oh, I'm, then I tell I'm playing them, devil advocate Then here. I tell them to drop their weight or I, I walk around. I'm like, okay, you shouldn't be lifting that weight. Like here's a little bit lighter weight or here you can do more. Like use a little bit more weight. Yeah. So, so I'm going to put you on the spot, kind of regressing from the unpopular opinion. Mm -hmm. um, so say I'm a new client of yours. Mm -hmm. Walk me through a session. So brand new client. Brand new. Brand and new. I, I want to be, let's say more tone. More toned. <laughs> my favorite word. I'm sure you oh get a my lot of that. Gosh. Yep. More toned. Um, okay, so brand new client. I first day that you come in, I would sit down with you for probably about a half hour, go through a consultation, um, do all like the paperwork and stuff like that that you need, and talk to you about like, what your goals are and what you want to do. Um, and then I would take you through the functional movement screen on the first day that you come in. 
Um, and then I go from there and I write out your program. Um, so a typical program, a client comes in and sees me, I ask them to show up five to 10 minutes early um, so that they can go through um, like their foam rolling and their dynamic stretching. So you don't count that as part of like what they... I usually try not to just because it eats up so much of my training time. That's awesome. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. I would <laughs> I would rather spend my time with them strength training than going through mobility and dynamic stretching unless that's something that I need to address with them. Right. Um, so they come in, I ask them to show up early. I will go... I will go through their dynamic stretches and their warm-up with them the first three or four sessions just until they get it ingrained in their head. Yep. Um, and then they come in, they do that them themselves. And then usually a typical training a typical training session would be, I mean, it differs from person to person, but I will do, like, I'll give you three exercises um, and it will typically be, it depends on how many times you train with me a day, but it will typically be, um, a, an upper body movement, a lower body movement, and a core movement. So I take them through that, three exercises. I usually do four or five rounds, and I'll probably have like three or four different circuits, depending on how much time we have and who the client is. Um, and then I always make sure that if they have any problems with lifting during lifting, um, that we address that at the end of their workout. But so if a client does come to me feeling in pain or anything like that, then I won't have them work out that day. Yeah. I will go through like mobility exercises or dynamic stretching or whatever it is to address the pain that they're in and then send them on their way. Right, because if they're in pain, you don't want to load it even exactly. more. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, if they're in pain, then I, I don't want them to work out that day. So yeah, yeah nothing too crazy. Yeah. So No, yeah. it's good to just like have people get an idea of like, yeah. you know, what to expect if they go to a trainer. Say they've yeah. never been to a trainer before yeah. or anything like that. Um, so I just wanted to have, you know, that kind of insight of, you know, what you do, what yeah, it looks like, what to expect. Yeah. And if, if anybody is looking for a personal trainer, you're looking to get into a new gym, um, I'm always accepting new clients. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. Um, my name is Clarissa Ree, so it's C-L-A-R-I-S-S-A, -S 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 and then two A's, R-I-E. All right. Yeah. Is that the easiest way to contact you for that? Yes, awesome. easiest way to contact me on Instagram. Um, I have all of my contact information on there, my email. You can direct message me. You can actually text me. My phone number is on there. So feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. And that's in Westbrook? Yeah, Westbrook at Train Main Fitness and Performance. Awesome, which is actually pretty local to here. Yeah. It's about 20 minutes away. Yeah. And yep. I see a lot of people from Westbrook in Portland too. Yeah, so, yep. Um, also, if you're a patient of mine and you're looking for a little extra rehab stuff, I think Clarissa is the person to go to, um, just especially with the way that we've talked about you know, how we do things. It definitely mashes pretty well together. Um, so is there anything else that you wanted to touch on before we finish up? Movement and mobility is medicine. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Don't ignore it. <laughs> yeah, movement's life. I mean, once you start to slow down, that's where things really creep in. Oh, so yeah. the more you keep moving, um, the more pain-free you're going to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, so with that, I think that's about it. Uh, remember, just because I discharge patients early and out of <laughs> care does not mean that they are not fixed, that they're just out of pain and that I have poor doctorship you are um, a good <laughs> <clinician>. <laughs> so i just wanted to point that out again um i i just think it's funny that i got called out um i've had feedback from other chiropractors who don't claim to be evidence-based that are more philosophical based who are mad about things that i say about like um 
you know my youtube video debunking chiropractic and stuff like i'm very advocate about that like subluxation is a big no-no um and that movement is actually key uh so it was funny to have another evidence-based chiropractor call me out um so yeah if you um if you want to actually hear that podcast dm me on my instagram the power doc and i'll send it to you because just it's you gotta hear it um but yeah any other closing words I am all set. Thank awesome. you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And that concludes this episode. Uh, if you have any questions or further uh, inquiries about like movement, how to properly warm up, feel free to message either one of us. I think either one of us can really help you out with that. And thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening to the Power Doc Talks. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. Also, be sure to follow at the Power Doc on Instagram for more educational content and leave suggestions for future episodes.